Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let's pray. Lord God, we do ask that you would fill this place, Lord, by your Spirit, that you would meet with us as we open your Word. And we, we open our hearts and ask for you to mold us, to conform us into your image, so that we might live the lives that you've called us to live. In the power of your Son, we ask this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we began this series on relationships and we talked about that we were created for a relationship with the Lord God. And we began to walk through Genesis and talk about how we know the Lord God desires a relationship with us. How He must be our supreme focus. How He must be the source of our joy. And He is where we will find our purpose. And how everything in our life revolves around that relationship being correct. We as believers, as Christians, believe the gospel. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die in our place so that we might be forgiven and that relationship with Him might be correct. However, our understanding of the gospel has to go to the next level. It has to propel us. It has to affect us. It has to change us in order to accomplish all that He desires. Last week we talked about the purpose of that relationship a great deal. I don't know if we spent enough time talking about the things that detract us from that relationship. But today we're going to continue this series in relationships and today we're going to shift our focus of the study and begin to talk about how we were created for a relationship with the local church. I believe that God created us to be part of a local body of believers and there are things that happen in the body of Christ that are very important. There are three word pictures that we see talking about the church. We're part of the body of Christ. That we are sheep of the flock. That we are members of the family of God. And these, these beautiful illustrations that the Lord gives us of, of what it's like to be part of the church. I believe that, that we are called to be part of the local church and to participate in the local church. And there are several ways in which I think that we see that in Scripture. The first of those is the example of the New Testament believers. A passage of Scripture which I'm sure that you've heard many times in the book of Acts kind of outlines how it was that the believers in Acts lived. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 42 as we see this, this, these early Christians, the ones who lived just after Christ, how they spent their time together. Beginning in verse 42... We read, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see here the account of the early Christians, the ones who, who lived closest to Christ, the ones who, who saw Him and heard firsthand what He had done on their behalf. The word that jumps off this page of Scripture for me is devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to breaking bread together. They were devoted to the prayers. Said all who believed had all things in common. There's this, this picture of community that, that, that was in, in, the, in the New Testament church. The early believers truly shared their lives together. We see that they attended temple together, they ate in homes together, they took care of each other, literally to the point of of selling their own belongings to take care of each other. It's it's an amazing picture of how they they fellowshiped one with another. I don't want to be too harsh here, but but I, I I don't know if the Lord wanted to write a description of the local church today, if it would be quite so flattering. That we gave everything that we had in order that, that, that we might minister one to another. That we might be devoted in every facet to the Lord and to His church. Now I'm aware that there are believers in other congregations. I'm aware that there are believers in other denominations. I, be, I believe with all my heart that every tongue, nation, and tribe will have believers. And one day we will all be with Him in glory. That there is a universal church. I'm not saying that Rosemont Baptist is the only church. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do believe that in Scripture we see that the local body of Christ is what God designed for us to operate in and that we are to be part of that. And we see that they were devoted to each other. They were devoted to the spiritual disciplines, to study and prayer and worship and to each other. And they gave their lives to that. I think the reason that that we see this devotion so much clearly there is because it was still fresh for them. You see, they lived in a day where Christ had just lived, where Christ had just been crucified. They knew these stories very firsthand. And for us, it's kind of become distant, become, become something that happened in history. And it's almost like the news. We see something very tragic on the news, and yet we flip the channel and we just move forward because it's not fresh with us, because we didn't interact with it face to face. But these believers were close to it. So we see the example of the early church of the New Testament believers as one reason for the local church. The second argument for the local church is the existence of church government in Scripture. We see over and over that God gave the roles of the church. He made pastors and elders. We see those words in Acts and Philippians and Titus. We see in 1 Timothy, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? We see in Acts 20, Paul instructing the elders to take deep care of themselves and over the flock. You see, they were were part of that group. They were part of that church. We see in Hebrews chapter 13, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For what advantage would that be? The fact that the Lord created these offices, that He designed the church to work in such a way that that He made provision for the church to function, He did that and it was His intention for us to be part of a local body of believers. 
The next way we see the Lord's plan for the Lord's church is, is the, the observation of the ordinances. The church has many functions and, and many things that, that we're supposed to do, but two of them are the Lord's Supper and believer's baptism. And I believe those are, are to be held corporately. Those are to be celebrated together. Believer's baptism, as we, we say every time someone is baptized, is a, is a public display of an inward change. It's a testimony to all, to everyone to see that God has changed their life and they've moved from death to life, that they are identifying with Christ. And I believe that that is to be done with the body of Christ. We talk about the Lord's Supper. We see Jesus' example of, of taking the Lord's Supper with His disciples. We see the commands in Scripture of who is supposed to partake and who is not and how that is supposed to be done in a a very serious fashion. And those who who are are in sin and unwilling to let go of that sin should not partake of that. The Lord's Supper is a reminder of all that Christ has accomplished on the cross and it's our time to come together as a body of Christ, to humble ourselves, to repent, to to review our life and make sure that we are right before Him in order that we might rejoice in how it is that we call ourselves Christians. It's for believers only. Now my kids have grown up in church and they are in church on Sundays and Wednesdays. They don't know anything else. And they want to take part in that snack more than anybody in this room. For years when the plate passes, there's this very quiet whispered argument of why they can't have a cracker. And what they wouldn't do to get just one sip of that cute little cup. They literally, we have to watch them at the end of the service because they'll go and find somebody else's and take it with them. They want to be part of that. We see them in the summertime going swimming and they'll accidentally baptize one of their friends. You see, they're, they're still young and they take this very lightly. But I believe that the Lord God takes it very seriously. And I believe that we, as a body of Christ, have a responsibility and an opportunity to herald baptism and to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. I don't understand how people can say, I want a private baptism, my my spiritual life is none of your business, and and the Lord's Supper is is the Sunday that I'm not going to go because there won't be any as much worship or there won't be any preaching and that's something that I'm not going to go to. I don't understand because God ordained it. He designed it. He set it up. He's, he's placed it there for us to do these things together. To do them in community. To do them and just share these things in common. Another reason for the local church is the existence of church discipline. It's clearly taught in Scripture that membership has its responsibilities. There are clear guidelines for those who are not living their lives to the glory of God and how they are to be excluded from the membership of the church. Years and years ago, the churches took church membership very seriously. When you, when you moved from one congregation to another congregation, you would request your letter to be moved from this to the next. But the question that was sent back to the former church was always, is this member in good standing? Because if you were not in good standing, if you had broken fellowship, because if you were leaving in anger, because if you had unresolved conflict, the reality was they wouldn't even accept you into the body of Christ. They would send you back to do what you should have done in your first church. 
But somewhere along the way, we, we, we began to, to, to have this cultural dynamic of we shouldn't be in each other's business and who are we to ask about the spiritual business of other people and we began to just let letters go back and forth. And now you can join a church, you can leave a church, you can go visit a church, you can be at a church and not never be part of it. And there's no accountability, there's no process in which you've come under the umbrella of the leadership of the church where you've partnered with the body of Christ to serve alongside them. And you, when you disappear and you say, well, nobody's called me in three weeks, it's because you weren't even part of them in the beginning. They don't think they have the right to be part of you. And somewhere we've, we've lost that, that, that dynamic of membership. And I think a lot of that happened because we lost the exercise of church discipline. Somewhere along the way, it lost its fervency for us to biblically come alongside each other and to, to, to keep the flock where they need to be. A much more biblical description of the church is a place where you come and sit and proclaim that you're a wretched sinner and in need of His daily grace and forgiveness of His Son to move forward and you're surrounded by all the other people in the room that are sitting in the same boat as you. And when we recognize our need for that grace and we recognize who we are in Him, then we're not threatened by the fact that somebody wants to help us in our walk and to get back in that right fellowship that we talked last week with the Father. Another reason the local church, Adam spent most of his sermon on just a few weeks ago, and that was when he began talking about spiritual gifts. We are to use our spiritual gifts in the body. God's gifted us. He's given us all gifts. We're all very different, and yet He wants to use us corporately to accomplish His purposes. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read this amazing passage that, that just, just demonstrates and explains to us how different we are. And yet how He wants to work that together for His glory. There are many in the room today who would say, I don't know how I could be used, or there's someone else that could be better at that than me, and yet God has designed you to have a part in the body of Christ. Beginning in verse 12, we read, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave and free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, would that not make it less part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable are those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, 
all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We see in this passage of Scripture this beautiful description of how different we all are and yet how we are all needed for the body of Christ to function as God intends it to do. He uses these differences for His good when we are willing to use our gifts and lay down our lives for the sake of each other. So what do we do with the truths about the church? What do we do with the fact that God's created us to be part of the local body of Christ? Well, according to Barna, today the news is not encouraging. Barna polls show that 49% of Americans say that church is somewhat important. And 51% of Americans say that church is not too important. Even more scary than that is Barna says that of individuals 30 years and younger, only 2 out of 10 believe that church is important. We are losing the fact that God designed the church and that we are to be part of the body of Christ. For it to function and for Him to receive the glory, we are to be part of believers. We are to be linking our lives one with another. You see, we live in a society of instant gratification. We, we live in a consumer culture where everything that we get, we can have it instantly and we can have it our way. I'm a member of Amazon, Amazon Prime. I love the fact that I can now shop, not pay shipping, and not have to go to any store, wait in line, park, or talk to anyone. It's wonderful. It is, it's absolutely changed my life. We have a package coming this afternoon, by the way. It's going to be here today. They've even started shipping on Sunday. It's wonderful. But, but there's this culture that we can do everything that we need to do without having to be involved with anyone else. We've gotten to this, this place to where church has even become, what is in it for me? I've come this morning and I want to know what it's going to be for me. We've got people who are visiting churches and, and their comments are, well, I kind of like this. What do you have for this? I, would, I desire this. Or the reason I'm no longer at that church is because of this. And, and there's this, this place to where we're missing the point to be part of the body of Christ. It's really, what do you have to offer? What are you bringing to the body? And what are you willing to do for the sake of the body? Because we are one. We're never all going to agree on everything, but can we agree that He is more important than our preferences? You see, we've slowly given way to this selfish mentality of catering to and adapting our ministries and our programs in order that we might make someone happy. Now let me be clear, the Bible says, I become all things to all men so that some might be saved. And we want to do everything that we can in order to, to reach and to, to, to be there for those who need to hear about Christ. But there comes a point when we are believers that we've matured enough that it's not all about us any longer. Now, I, I was a youth minister for nine years, y'all know this. And the Lord has delivered me from that. Okay, Jason, there you are. I pray for you. <laughs> You've got a really hard job. Seriously, youth ministry is very difficult. One of the, the biggest frustrations, and I can talk about this now, okay, because I'm not the youth guy. But, but years ago when I lived in another state and I was a youth guy, the biggest frustration in the world to me was, was these, these students that, that, that wanted to participate 
if everything was just like they wanted. And their parents who said, well, I just want to know if so-and-so is going to be there. Because if so-and-so can be there, then maybe we'll, we'll send our child. We are the body of Christ. If so-and-so's not going to be there, maybe we should link arms with the body who is walking with Him and come and be part of the ministries that He has designed us to be. We're missing it when we begin to make all of our decisions based on just our preferences. It's not just children that make those kind of decisions. Adults make the same decisions. Over and over we decide what Sunday school class we're going to be on, what service we're going to be on, what worship we like, who we're going to be surrounded with, and it's all about who? Us. And we're missing the point of what God has designed for us to do. And of course, there are those who argue about the local church with the comments that we've all heard. I'm just going to go on and say it. I can worship God in a deer stand. Is that good? Is that country enough? Yes, you can worship the Lord in a deer stand. You can. I, I go running. And I worship the Lord as the sun comes up while I'm out running. Absolutely, we can worship God in all, of, all circumstances. But we can't serve Him in the body of Christ there. We can't use our gifts to edify anyone else there. We're, we can't do the other dynamics that are supposed to happen here in this place when we're secluded by ourselves. That's not to say not to go hunting or not to go running, but don't call it church because it's not church. Not church as the Lord God designed it. You're watching church on TV means that you're not participating, meaning you have nothing to offer, and that's contrary to what Scripture says. See, there's a, a level of commitment. Now, Margaret Ann is taking ballet, and she's the cutest little ballerina you've ever seen in your whole entire life. Some of y'all in the room might have ballerinas and argue with me, but I'm going to go on and say she is. And then she puts on a little tutu and says, Daddy, she's going to be part of the Nutcracker. Okay, remarkable. She's so excited she doesn't know what to do with herself. But what happens? She comes home with a letter. To be part of the Nutcracker, you've been chosen to do this. Here are your performance dates. Here are your practice dates. You need to make sure you're going to commit to do this because you've got to be devoted if you're going to be part of this. Right? And then we have to make that decision. Are we going to be devoted and be part of this? The same thing with sports for other kids. It's the same thing with clubs for us as adults. We make the choices what we're going to be devoted to. And we've looked it over. She's going to be in the Nutcracker. Okay, we're going to make that happen. But it's the same thing about us being devoted to the local church. When is it that we came to the place to say, are we going to church today? Are we going to serve in that way? Are we going to do this? We, 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 we're struggling with the decisions about being devoted. I think the best description of what I'm talking here is kind of about like dating and marriage. Okay, I dated for a long time. I don't know why it took me so long to find somebody who would say yes. I thought it, I really thought it would happen just years after high school. And it took another decade, okay? But there was dating. And, and, and what happens when we're dating? We go out and we both put on our best face, right? We clean up. We act nice. We open the car door. We say kind things. We do all of the things just right. 
What happens in marriage? Commitment. Forever. Forever, for better or worse. Right? Hannah can explain that to y'all. But all of a sudden, it's different. It's not whether we're going to make it. Now it's, I'm going to fight to make sure we make it. I'm going to work so that we make it. Because there are no other options. When we say we're committing to the local body of Christ, it's different than, are we going to go to church this morning? When we say, Christ died for my sins, and He has gifted me, and He's gifted me so that I could be a blessing to others, and although a very small part of what might be happening, there's going to be somebody that is affected because I'm there this morning. Right? There's going to be something that's different because I bring something to the table. Not because I am all that, but because He lives within me. We've got to begin to decide to be committed to live in community with one another. That's not saying we've got to be here six days a week. That's not saying if you're not at every single event, you don't love Jesus. That's saying you're part of the body of Christ. What does that mean to you? Because I'm afraid we've kind of gotten to that place that it still means day in and day out. I might, I might not. I feel like this and I don't feel like this. So for the remainder of our time, I want us to spend a few minutes just walking through some scriptures. And I want to read over you scripture after scripture after scripture of what this might mean. And I want you to think about the body of Christ. I want you to think about the local church. And I want you to think about yourself. Please don't sit and think about, well, so-and-so. I hope so-and-so heard that. Let the Lord say to you this morning, I am part of a local body of Christ. And if I'm going to be part of that and devoted to that and honor the Lord, here are the commands that He has placed before me. Commands that play themselves out in the body and outside as well. Bear with me here. But hear the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will we make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. John 13, 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. John 13, verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 15, verse 12, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. John 15 verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Romans 12 verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. 
Romans 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Romans 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in his faith, welcome him and don't quarrel over opinions. Romans 14, verse 13. Do not cause another to stumble. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Romans 15, verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus. Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Romans 15 verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 25. That there may be no division in the body that the members may have the same care for one another. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 20. All the brothers greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. We'll see how that plays itself out. You disregard that. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Galatians 5.13 For we were called to freedom, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Galatians 5 But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by the other. Galatians 6.1 Bear one another's burdens. If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 4, 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4, 25, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 5.19 Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Ephesians 5.23 Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Philippians 2 Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Colossians 3, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. First Thessalonians 4.18, therefore encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 See that no one repays evil for evil but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Hebrews 3.13 Exhort one another every day as you call today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10.24 Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews 10.25 Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. James 4 Do not speak evil against one another. James 5, do not grumble against one another. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another. 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you who are younger submit Subject yourselves to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Over and over and over, we're called in Scripture to love one another. He really, really, truly says that our love for each other should be compared to His love for us. In light of the Gospel, in light of the fact that Christ sent His Son to purchase me from my sins and myself, what can I hold against anyone in this room? What if... The church truly took all of those verses and the rest of Scripture and said, we're going to start living like that. What if we linked arms different as we are and said, I love you. You're part of the body of Christ. You're forgiven as I've been forgiven, neither of us deserved it. But for His glory, let's live life together. What would happen if Rosemont Baptist Church began to be known as a body of Christ that truly loved each other, that truly encouraged each other, that lived out the gospel? Sharing life together. I bet we would see these aisles busy during invitation and not just because people are coming to be saved, but because we would be coming to the altar saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. 
This is how they will know that we are His disciples, our love for one another. When we begin to live this out, we will see people coming down these aisles. Because we look at the early church and they were devoted themselves to each other. They devoted themselves to the spiritual disciplines. They devoted themselves to the local body of believers. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Mark Dever said it like this. We demonstrate to the world that we've been changed, not primarily that we memorize verses or pray before meals or tithe a portion of our income or listen to Christian radio, but because we increasingly show our willingness to put up with, to forgive, and even to love a bunch of fellow sinners. When we can come to the place and say, I don't deserve the grace that I've received and I I just want to give what I've got. And when we link arms as the body of Christ and we take all of those verses and so many more that say we are the body of Christ. His Spirit lives within us and He wants to accomplish things through us. When we live at peace with one another in harmony and we welcome and we instruct and we care for and we bear with and we're gentle with and we forgive and we admonish and we encourage and we exhort and we in humility fellowship together. He will be glorified. Can we pray to that end as we close? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we thank You for Your Word. And God, we thank You that, that You ordained the church and that You made the local church. And God, we thank You that You have brought us to be part of this body of Christ. Lord, we acknowledge in this room there's so many different people with so many different gifts and backgrounds and baggage. But Lord God, as believers in Christ, we share one thing in common. The Spirit of God dwelling in our lives. Lord God, would You by Your Spirit Show us the areas of our life that we haven't laid down before You. The areas of our life that that are hindering the love of Christ from flowing one to another in this room. God, may You help us become the witness and the lighthouse that You desire this church to be. That we might encourage and stir up one another towards good deeds. That You might be exalted in how we respond to each other, that we might live biblically. God, this is bigger than anything that one of us could do on our own, but God, together, with Your help, You could do it. We give You freedom. We beg You in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.